Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He's preaching from Psalm 32. Good morning. Uh, my name is Abe, um, and I have the privilege of serving as a pastor here at Church of the Beloved. If this is your first time joining us, um, <clears throat> or maybe you were at the, uh, the baptism or something, I'm really glad that you're here with us today. Uh, it's a pleasure for us to have you join our family. And as Yuji said, um, we had a beach baptism, and I still have sand in my shoes. So I was out back trying to rub it off. It's not coming out. Um, but I want to give a special shout out to a couple of folks before we get into today's message, folks who helped us out. Uh, we, we appreciate everyone that volunteered to help us out. There's two folks. One, Joanna Kim. Uh, if you don't know her, I'm not going to point her out. She might be embarrassed by it. But she happens to be actually a professional photographer and has been coming to our church for a while. And so she volunteered to take photos. And man, no offense to all our other photographers. Y'all are great. But man, I even look good in the photos. So um, if you haven't seen the photos, they're available through a link and the email that we sent out as part of our announcements. Check them out. Brandon's not here. I hope you all, you all are watching online. Brandon, if you don't know, he's uh, Joy, our kids director, uh, her, her boyfriend. He brought a drone. And so there are some amazing videos of all five of our brothers getting baptized. And uh, I don't know if that's available, but we'll share those soon. And I do know want to mention that a few of the folks who were baptized, we're going to be inducting them as part of our beloved community in a couple of weeks on June 25th. And we're also going to be sending off one of our beloved family families on that day. Our interim worship director, Alex, who led us so beautifully, and his wife, Elena, uh, and their daughter, Juliet, they're moving back to Louisiana at the end of the month. Uh, we want to send them off with love. And we want to send them off with prayer. So we're going to be doing that. I mean, they're going to a, they're going to be near family, and they're buying a house, so they're definitely, you know, upgrading in this process. Um, but uh, we're going to miss them, but we want to, if you all can join us on the 25th here, we're going to spend some time at the end of service praying for them and sending them off in a couple weeks. All right, let's get to the sermon. <clears throat> so today we're going to continue our sermon series on the Psalms. And so as a reminder for those of you who have been uh, tuning in, uh, the Psalms, as I've said before, are an anthology, anthology of songs and poems uh, that paint a picture of redemption. <clears throat> and the Psalms, there are songs and poems of, of, of lament, uh, of salvation, of wisdom, of justice, of redemption, and of joy as well. And the Psalms, they remind us and they encourage us and they draw us closer to our Father in heaven. You know, one thing uh, I want to point out with regards to the Psalms in general, which they're, they're awesome. And I think one of the things that do, they do is they serve as an amazing gift. Because, you see, the Psalms are a pure form of worship of, to our King. And so if you've ever been in a place where you, you're trying to pray, but you just don't have words, you don't know what to say, when you're just sitting there in desperation, maybe you're sitting there with confusion, the Psalms can help you in those moments. See, these ancient poems, if you were to use them to pray, to worship our Father in heaven, when you have no word, when you simply read them as a prayer, read them to our God, 
Because, like I said, the Psalms are a pure, a true form of worship. And the Psalms can help each and every one of us give God all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And that's one of the reasons we're going through these Psalms. And today we're going to focus on Psalm chapter 32. And we're going to start and really focus on verse 5 for just a moment here. In verse 5, it says this, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, this is one of the most basic summaries of the gospel or good news of the Christian faith. Because, see, at the heart of the gospel message is undeserved forgiveness, right? The gospel shows that there is nothing required to receive forgiveness except confession. There's no penance that's required. There's no penalty. There's only profession. So the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ is, as summarized in this verse, is that confession results in forgiveness. Now, you know, I, as I was studying this, theologians, they're not exactly sure what the impetus of this particular poem from David was um, when he wrote it. But based on the context and aspects of the Psalms in general, there are some good, well-informed guesses around the origination. So other psalms, like if you were to read Psalm 51, which I think many of you will know, there's a song written around it called, uh, the words are, created me a clean heart. Uh, oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of our salvation and renew a right spirit. I'm not going to sing the whole song. Um, other psalms like Psalm 51, they specifically explain the context around the psalm. Psalm 51, if you look at it, it actually includes a note in the original text. It explains that the psalm was written in response to David being called out about his sin towards Bathsheba and Uriah. But Psalm 32, it doesn't have that kind of note in there. But, I'm mentioning Psalm 51 because of verse 13. In verse 13, it says this, um, then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. Now, some theologians believe that Psalm 32 is connected to Psalm 51 as a fulfillment of this verse, verse 13. In other words, Psalm 32 is a response to David's cry for forgiveness for his sin of rape and murder. It is, is a psalm that considers what forgiveness really looks like. And that's what I want to focus on today for our message. I want to spend our time today unpacking this core gospel message that Psalm 32 points to, that there is a joy when forgiven by God. Okay? Yuji's not here, but during our staff uh, devotional we have every Tuesday morning, um, Yuji made an observation about this particular psalm, and she goes, you know, it really sounds like an instruction manual on how to be forgiven, right? I, I think Yuji's spot on with this. Because I, I do believe King David, when he wrote this, his intent was to provide an instruction manual. Because at the very start of this poem, 32, there is a note, a direction at the psalm. It simply says, of David, a Moscow. And the word Moscow can either be used to understand as a musical direction, like sing this song contemplatively. Or it can also mean instruction, like this psalm is an instruction from David. I mention this because in my old life, uh, I used to be in the tech sector. Uh, 
I had a bunch of technical writers on my staff who were responsible for writing up instruction manuals uh, and training materials and stuff like that. And then one of the things that I would always tell my writers to do is to start with a description of the what and the why before going into the how, right? And like any good manual, you'll see in Psalm 32, that's the first thing David does too. He explains the benefit, the what and the why, the benefit of what he is trying to get instruction, the benefit of being forgiven. So looking at verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 32, it says, How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. The benefit of forgiveness is joy. Now the Hebrew word here for joy is asle, which also can be translated to happy. So the point or the benefit of forgiveness is joy and happiness, right? Which is great. To fully appreciate how we get to this point, how to be joyful and how to be happy, we need to consider what it is that robs of joy and happiness. And simply stated, sin. And in the, these first two verses, David points out a couple of aspects of sin that I want to highlight for us here today. And the first one is simply this. Sin is transgression. Now again, in Hebrew, the word is pesha. Now pesha, if you look at this, it can be defined as a violation of trust or a violation of relationship. In other words, transgression or pesha is a violent rupture of trust. So David's spelling out in this psalm that pesha or transgression, it is the fracturing of the relationship between us and God. Pesha leads to pain. Pesha leads to brokenness between us and the one in whom we should have all our trust. So sin is pesha, transgression. The second thing I want to highlight here is that sin is iniquity. Again, let's look at the Hebrew. The Hebrew word for this is aban, right? And so the definition of aban is this. It is to be malformed or crooked. And it's used elsewhere, if you look at scripture, aban is used to refer to a crooked road or bent back, bent out of shape. So basically, iniquity or aban is to take a beautiful or good thing and to twist it. Or maybe in today's terminology, better to understand it as to be shady. So joy or happiness, it comes when we are forgiven by God for violating our relationship with him and forgiven by God for twisting his good creation or just for being shady. Romans chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. And I, 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 the shady one may not ring with you, but let me explain something. Romans chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, it does reference this psalm. And it talks about how faith experienced by this type of confession that's what redeems. It is not works. It is not personal effort that redeems. In Romans 4, verse, starting with verse 6, it says, Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with. Because joy comes from being forgiven. And God forgives, as shown in today's psalm, two different ways. And let's break those down. And the first way he forgives is by transforming. Verse 2 says this. How joyful is a person 
whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, and in whose spirit is no deceit. God forgives by removing the crooked and transforming us, changing our spirit. Have no more deceit. See, when we are forgiven, God takes away the shadiness inside our, our hearts and changes our hearts. Our, our spirit is transformed by the power and the work of the gospel, by the power and the work that Jesus has already done. God transforms, and the second way he forgives, God covers our sins. Now, I'm going to spend a moment on this a little bit more, because there is a difference when God covers sin versus when I try to cover sin, or you try. Because verse 1, it does show God's work of covering sin results in joy and forgiveness. Later on in verse 5, it shows that our attempts to cover sin not so good. After grad school, to give you a little example, I, I moved into an apartment uh, with two of my close friends. Um, my brother, my little brother, he dropped out of school, couldn't deal with my parents, and so we let him live with us because he, he knew my friends as well. After the lease uh, was about to end, you know, moving out, packing up our stuff, one of my roommates, he calls me into the bathroom. I'm like, okay. I, I go in, and he points to a picture on the wall, and he asks, hey, will you take that down? And he's standing there. I'm like, you got hands. You do it yourself. But I said, fine. Whatever. I took this down. It's a random picture. I don't remember what the picture was, and I don't know how it got there. It was a random picture, but behind this random picture was a humongous hole. So it turns out that after, during a fit of anger, my little brother decided to punch a hole in the wall. And instead of telling us about it or fixing it, that would have been better. He covers it with another picture. I don't know where he got this picture from. He covers it up. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when we are moving out, when you're moving out, uh, there's like little nail holes and stuff. We use toothpaste to cover the holes. I, I don't know why we didn't buy spackle. Home Depot was not that far away, but we we're just lazy. So we just used white toothpaste to cover all the holes so we could get our money back, you know. No amount of toothpaste was going to fix that hole. We actually squeezed two tubes of white toothpaste in there. <laughs> Nothing was going to cover it up. A little angry. Um, see, when we try to cover sin, we are as inadequate as my little brother was when he covered that hole with that random photo. Because, well, I hope it's not still there, but uh, we never got our money back. That hole impacted us. See, when you try to ignore, when you try to deceive, that's one way people try to cover sins themselves. Other people use things like self-justification. No, I had to do it. No, one, no one's getting hurt by this. What's the big deal? Everyone else is doing it. That's one way to cover Another way to cover it that people use is busyness. No, no matter how you try to cover your sins up by yourselves, including myself, the sin is still there. It's still, sin still impacts those around you and you. But when the master of everything, when God covers it, oh, so much more. Because when God covers, it transforms and it removes and it replaces that sin with the work done by Christ for our sake. So joy, happiness comes when we are forgiven, when our sins are covered, when we are transformed. Further down in this same passage, in this chapter, verse 3 and 4, it points out what happens when we don't seek that joy and that happiness. It says this, When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. I, tell you, I think the natural tendency um, for us is to hide our imperfections, our imperfections uh, in, of real life, right? Uh, honestly, the first example that came to me of hiding imperfections is Instagram. You don't got to do it for the gram. Hiding truth, putting on a veneer of perfection and beauty, like, oh, I always eat like this or I always look like this when I wake up. Trying to do that on a regular basis, it can be a bit soul-crushing. I think that's what David's describing here when we don't confess sin, when we hide it. Because he says, my bones became brittle. I groaned all day. My strength was drained. It's tiring to live behind a facade. Anyone that's taken a Sabbath or a hiatus from Instagram, they understand it. Instagram fatigue is kind of a thing. Just a little bit of a a tangent, because I learned about a new app. Well, it's not new. It's been around a while. Be Real? The Be Real app? I I know it's been around for a, a I think a few years. Anyway, I just learned about it, and so I read the description of the app, and it amused me, because this is the description of the app. It says, be real is life, real life, and this life is without filters. And I was like, oh, wow, these app makers are trying to do what David did. They're very holy. No, they're not. (laughs) I'm sure they're just trying to make lots of money. Anyway, verses 1 to, that was such a tangent. Uh, Verses 1 to 4, it points us to the why and the what. The benefit of forgiveness, right? Which is great. But the rest of the poem, it points us to the how. And that's what I want us to really spend my time on now, for the rest of our time. The instructions of this particular instruction manual given to us by David. So, let's look at verses 5 and 6. It says this, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. So, step one in this instruction manual to finding joy in forgiveness, simply stop hiding. I don't know if you've ever had a random conversation on some topic, I don't know, like ice fishing in the Adirondacks or something like that. And and suddenly, when you go on to Google or something, there are recommendations on cheap flights to the Adirondacks or ice fishing gear. Uh, Because you can't hide from Google. I'm sure it's listening to me now. You can't hide from Amazon either. You can hide from Bing. I hope nobody works from Microsoft. But you can hide from Bing. No one's listening there. But uh, if you are, I'm sorry. There's There's no use hiding because Big Brother is listening. God is bigger than that, though. Hiding from God your secret sins, there's no use in that. Because, you know, I I understand why we try. I get it. There's shame and there's fear involved, and that's why we do it. Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, this is what it says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And Jonah tried to do the same thing. Jonah, in chapter 1, verse 3, says, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from, from the Lord's presence. They're both trying to hide. But, but God knows everything. There's no use in hiding anything because he knows it all. So why hold back? Acknowledge your sin to our Savior, all your public and your private sin. Do not conceal your shadiness, your sinfulness, because he knows it. That's step one. Step two, very simply. Finding joy and forgiveness, don't wait. Going back to chapter 32 and verse 6, it 
Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. Now, I never finished. Um, a few weeks ago, I told a story about skydiving. Um, and so for those of you who have not been there, let me just recap really quickly. This was my last and only attempt to solo jump, and it went horribly wrong. Basically, my instructor, he had to Superman over to me and pull my ripcord, right? And I ended up parachuting more than skydiving. Turned out, I was not only very bad at skydiving, I was also very bad at parachuting. Um, because as the ground came closer and closer to me, I realized, huh, I'm about to land in the middle of a highway in central Illinois, Highway 57. And as I contemplated my impending death and doom, uh, I suddenly saw a small patch of grass below me. I mean, literally right below me. So I decided, okay, let me let air pass through my chute and start to drop straight down like a stone. I was a few hundred feet up in the air. Uh, I wanted to land in this central median instead of on the highway. And so what I did is the very last, I waited as long as I thought possible, and I did something called flaring my canopy, which, which means I pulled down hard on the toggle to hopefully slow down and achieve a softer landing. It wasn't a soft landing. Basically, my knee went in a direction that it really was never intended by God to go. And uh, I gathered my chute, limped to my car, and I drove back to the city, not home, straight to Walgreens, to buy crutches and a bandage. Um, because I had just started a brand new job, and my insurance had not kicked in yet. So I had to wait a few weeks, struggling in my new job uh, with this ridiculous thing on my knee. I finally got to see a doctor a few weeks later, and they immediately took me into surgery. Um, here's the thing. The reason I'm telling this story Jesus Christ did the work necessary so that when we come to the Father in heaven, when we confess our own sin, our rupture relationship, he did all the work so that when we come and confess to him, he'll forgive. So don't wait. Let everyone who is faithful pray to God immediately. Don't wait. I, I so wish I didn't have to wait because I had no money to go and get my knee fixed. Step two, don't wait. Third one. There's a saying that uh, I learned a long time ago when I used to work and live in Ireland. Um, the, the phrase is, every day is a school day, right? And for many here, that is literally true. Every day is a school day. But step three for all of us is in finding joy in the forgiveness, is understanding this truth that every day is a school day. Because in verse eight, it says this, I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. I will give you counsel. See, this is, this is the promise God gives to every single one of us. He has given us the power of Scripture. He has given us the truth of His gospel word. He has given us the lives of our family, our family here at Church of the Beloved to instruct and to counsel each of us on how to draw nearer to God every day, what it means to be forgiven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, Encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. 
Every day is a school day. Every day is a day for us to learn the truth of the gospel from the gospel. Every day is a day to learn the truth of the gospel from the family of God around us. The joy of forgiveness is found in living a lifestyle that constantly seeks to grow and learn in the truth of God. Step three. Every day is a school day. Now I'll tell you, this is a big one for us as Church of the Beloved. Because, see, we exist. Our, our mission statement is to exist to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. And so everything we do as a church from our Sunday service today from uh, to our Sunday school, from our women's and our men's ministry to our welcome ministry, from our beloved kids to our community groups, every, from our AV to our worship team, every single thing that we do as a church, as a church of the beloved, is to build up disciples of Christ. And discipleship looks like imitating our elders and our ministry leaders as we strongly strive to imitate Christ. Discipleship looks like encouraging our family here, in every, whether as at one of the potlucks tonight or at community groups or just a random coffee chat that you might be having during the middle of the week. Discipleship looks like devoting yourself to studying scriptures so that you and I individually can draw nearer to God so that we can bring others nearer to God. Because every day is a school day. And every day is a day for us to learn and to experience the joy of forgiveness. That's the third step. This fourth step. There's, there's five. I don't remember. Uh, the fourth step is this. Um, to find joy in forgiveness is to accept the forgiveness that's being promised. Verse 9. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding. That must be controlled by a bit or a bridle, or else it will not come near you. I don't know if you've ever had this situation where you've maybe wronged somebody, you apologize, and the person accepts your apology. But then out of the blue, that person brings up that thing again. You're thinking, I thought we were okay with this. I thought we were cool. But the reality is people do that. They remember things. They fester. But God doesn't. When God says, I forgive you, when he's, that, that covering of that confessed sin is so complete that we can absolutely cling to the last words that Christ spoke from the cross when he said, it is finished. So don't be stubborn. Don't be a horse or a mule that needs a bit in their mouth to, to be reminded of which way to go. Because joy in God's promised forgiveness comes when you accept this unbreakable truth that God does what he says. God says, I forgive you. If you seek him and seek his forgiveness, you are forgiven. If we confess our sins, it says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, he's faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is his solemn promise to us. So accept the forgiveness. The last step that I want to focus on before we uh, do communion and a few other things is the joy of forgiveness uh, that is found in verse 10. In verse 10 says, Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding I've been reading this book. Uh, it was recommended to me by one of our elders as well as one of our deacons separately. It's called Something's Not Right. Uh, it's about recognizing, freeing oneself from abuse, whether it's... Uh, Abuse of power, abuse of church leadership, just abuses in general. 
I was, I was so awed by the last chapter because it simply starts with the author who is abused saying this, I forgive you. And this is the reality of those who call them Jesus, their Savior. Christians, we are called to be forgiven and we are called to forgive. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, uh, the Lord's Prayer says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is our command, our instruction from God. Be forgiven and forgive. And the joy we find in forgiveness, it does not promise that pain is going to go away and that hurt will go away. Though we are forgiven and though we forgive, verse 10 proclaims that there are going to be many pains that come. Sin that ruptures our relationship with God and is caused by our own shadiness. The impacts and the consequences of these things are going to be felt until Jesus comes back. Until Jesus comes to bring us home where these are no longer our reality. But until then, the joy of forgiveness comes because the one who confesses and trusts and who clings to God, as it promises here, will be surrounded by the love of God. Suzette, my wife, she is still in Singapore. And she's caring for her mom and dad. Um, she'll be back in Chicago in a couple weeks. But if you follow her on Instagram, you've witnessed the journey she's been on. It's, it hasn't, it's been challenging. And through it all, through the grief and the pain of it all, the one thing that she knows that she can do for her mom right now, the only thing, is to cover her mom with her love. She can't take away the pain. She can't take away the hurt. She can't take away the sadness, but she can surround her mom with love, a love that brings her mom peace, a love that brings her mom some joy, now, as perfect as I think my wife is, the love that she gives is nothing compared to the love promised by our Maker, by our King, by our Father, by our God. Because the joy of forgiveness that comes, it comes because of the love of God. Love. So the joy of forgiveness as promised in this psalm is promised to those who come to our Heavenly Father and confidently call out to him and say this, I have sinned, God forgive me. And that joy comes because our transgressions are forgiven. That joy comes because our ruptured relationship is restored. That joy comes because our hearts are transformed. And that joy comes because our sins are covered. That is the joy that he promised. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.